everyone, and welcome to episode number 151 of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. This is Jeremy Bement, your host, welcoming you to another classic episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. And this one's going to be pretty nice and simple and straightforward for you. In this episode, we are going to do like we always do, cover the news. There's actually something a little bit news-related um, that we're going to talk about. And then we're going to jump into a classic interview. And this time around, I have chosen to represent an interview with Do- former Doctor Who magazine editor Tom Spilsbury. Uh, he had mentioned just on Twitter the, a week or so, or just in the past couple of days as I record this, that he was celebrating his 20th anniversary, roughly, of becoming assistant editor of Doctor Who magazine. And that kind of caused me to reflect on the fact that we chatted with him back in 2016. And for those of you who are newer to this podcast, I thought it'd be great to represent this interview and you can hear his story of how he became editor of DWM and what he did with the magazine during his tenure. And that's pretty much it for this episode. It's a classic episode, so it's kind of nice and short and sweet. Um, Thank you very much for downloading this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Happy New Year, by the way. Happy 2023. One step closer towards new Doctor Who. And let's jump into this episode. And Doctor Who comic news for this episode of Panel to Panel. We're going to start off like we always do and uh, take a look at new releases. Uh, This Wednesday, January 4th, over here in the United States in comic shops, you could get uh, physical hard copies of Doctor Who magazine issues numbers 581, 582, and 583. So comic shops are getting closer to being up to uh, date with Doctor Who magazine. However, on Thursday, the 5th of January, uh, Doctor Who Magazine issue number 586 came out over in the UK as well as digitally. And uh, once again, another excellent issue. Make sure you uh, check it out when you have a chance. But then this upcoming week on Wednesday, January 11th, the Doctor Who Origins trade paperback featuring the Fugitive Doctor from Titan Comics, will be out in collected edition. If you haven't had a chance to check out this story, it was a was a pretty good story. I enjoyed it. Um, the artwork, I thought, was really good. And um, make sure you read it, especially if you're a fan of uh, the, the Fugitive Doctor and want to find out a little bit more or go on an adventure with her. Outside of that, the only other news I have is that uh, the fine folks that produce Vorp Vorp magazine uh, just put up for pre-order issue number five of Vorp Vorp, which I've already pre-ordered myself, and uh, there's three excellent covers to choose from. I know I had a tough time choosing which one I wanted, Um, but Vorp Vorp magazine, for those of you who don't know, is an excellent fanzine once again i'm hard pressed to call it a fanzine because it is so well put together and the the production on this magazine is so high quality i call it a magazine more than i do a fanzine but it is about nothing but doctor who in uh, comic book form comic strips animation um, that side of doctor who and if you are a fan of doctor who comics and if you're listening to this podcast you must be Make sure you uh, don't cheat yourself and order this this magazine. You can find it if you go to vorpvorp.co.uk, V-W-O-R-P, V-W-O-R-P.co.uk. You can order this issue as well as uh, past issues or some of the past issues of Vorp Vorp. And uh, 
don't like I keep reiterating, don't miss out on this. This is something that you will be reading for the next few months once it comes out. It's supposed to come out in February. So make sure you uh, let Colin and Gareth know that you want a copy. Pick out which cover you want. There's always cool extras that they throw in with each and every issue. And uh, make sure you order, pre-order your copy. Outside of that, that's pretty much it for the news. Let's jump into the next feature. Exterminate! Just this past week on Twitter, uh, former Doctor Who magazine editor Tom Spilsbury reflected on the fact that it's been about 20 years ago since Clayton Hickman called him up and uh, asked if he wanted to be assistant editor on Doctor Who magazine. So he's kind of reflecting finally on the fact that it's been 20 years since he joined the ranks of editorship of Doctor Who magazine. And I, for one, along with a friend of the show, Graham Burke, kind of sung his praises of Tom Spilsbury's run as editor of Doctor Who magazine. To me, I think that was one of the the high points of Doctor Who magazine. I think it was one of the times when Doctor Who magazine was at its peak. It was full of information and entertainment, and it was hit a long run where every issue to me Every article was interesting, entertaining, and had something to give, something I didn't know. Um, the The comic strip was going gung-ho. Uh, reviews were really good. Just everything was clicking. This Doctor Who magazine back then was clicking on all cylinders. Don't get me wrong. There's, you know, there's other eras of Doctor Who magazine that were very, very good. But for me, there's always seems to be a point where there's different features or things about Doctor Who magazine I just don't care for. I think everybody's that way. There's parts of Doctor Who magazine that you just kind of skip over or gloss over as you read it just because it isn't uh, something you're really interested in or something that really grabs your attention. Tom Spilsbury's run of Doctor Who magazine, it seemed like right then uh, maybe all the stars were aligned just right, but um, everything that was in Doctor Who magazine during that run was something that I found interesting. So I always read each and every article. Um, there was always something there for me. And I thought, now would be a good time to to represent to you, or if you haven't heard this interview before, this is brand new for you. But uh, I had a chance to chat with Tom Spilsbury back in 2016, way back in episode number 46 of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. And he talked about his run as editor of Doctor Who magazine and um, how he got into the gig and everything uh, kind of encompassing all that. So I thought you would be interested in this. I know it's been interesting for me to re-listen to this interview again. Uh, it was great to chat with Tom, get to know him, and uh, now this is for you to listen to. Here is a chat with former Doctor Who magazine editor Tom Spilsbury. Today on Doctor Who Panel to Panel, I have the extreme pleasure of having my fourth Doctor Who magazine editor on the show, Tom Spilsbury. Thank you for joining me today. Hi. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to talk to you. You've been on my, you. <laughs> it's a, you've been on my bucket list since I started doing <laughs> a podcast about Doctor Who comics. So it's like I want to have the current Doctor Who magazine editor on. Oh, well, pleasure to be here. Um, how, did, how did your career start um, in, in writing, I guess? Um, well, um, I always enjoyed writing and, and being creative when I was a kid and, and um, you know, wrote stories and things at school, although um, that's not quite the way my career went. I've not gone into sort of writing fiction and, and uh, that side of things, although 
know, plenty of uh, plenty of my friends have, and people who um, uh, were inspired by Doctor Who in that way, particularly. But I mean, I loved Doctor Who as a, as a kid, but I never mm-hmm. particularly thought I was going to. Um, you know, have a career which was based, uh, you know, um, anything to do with Doctor Who or, or anything uh-huh. to do with writing, particularly. Oh, yeah. um, because you know, when you're when you're a teenager and you're growing up, and your your teachers are kind of saying, you know, what what do you want to do at university, and you're looking ahead to all of those things. You're you're you know, you're thinking about so many things. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, in a way, you kind of you know, there are people who want to be a footballer or want to be you know a singer and, and and all of these kind of things and actually you're kind of aware that these things might be a bit unrealistic and i yeah. think um you know i just went to university and i studied maths and i studied um classical studies you know which is um you know roman history and and uh-huh. um and uh, religious studies and philosophy and those kind of things yeah. um and so when i left university it was really just a case of trying to get a job anywhere just to earn some money you uh-huh. know? and actually the first thing i did was um was I worked at an insurance brokers for a while. I'd, I'd done a bit of, of um, um, just sort of phone work while I was still at university, but that was just, you know, fairly, um, you, you know, the shift work really, just sort of okay. answering sort of sure. phone calls about people wanting a number for a pizza place, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And then I got a job at an insurance place, which was pretty low paid, but, but was, you know, had prospects. Yeah. But it wasn't really what I kind of you know, would set my heart on doing. Uh-huh. Not that I'd really set my heart on doing anything particularly. It was just kind of, you know, trying to find your way in the big world. Yeah. Um, so when um, a friend of mine um, who, who had been at school with me called Paul Sprague, um, he'd got a job at uh, a company called Visual Imagination, which was a publisher. Um, they published science fiction magazines. They did magazines like Starburst, like TV Zone, um, Cult Times. There were, there were a range of magazines they okay. did. He got a job there. And he'd actually he he'd had a much clearer idea of what he wanted to do. Um, he'd he'd studied journalism at university, and that's and he'd he'd landed on his feet and got that job. And a, a position came up there, and he was saying, "Well, why don't you apply for it?" And I said, "Well, you know, I don't know whether I've got much experience, really." But he said, "Well, you know, everyone's got to start somewhere." And yeah. um, and so I applied for a job there, um, and it, it, I, I didn't hear back straight away, but I did get a, a position there, and you know that was kind of the start of, of the path that I've since taken because. Uh-huh. Um, you know, my early jobs were pretty, pretty menial, really. I, I was scanning slides, you know, scanning photographs from the latest movies so that they could be used in the magazines. You know, okay. just um, that was that was kind of dull, but needed to be done. Um, I was um, sending out back issues to people who'd ordered old magazines and um, put, putting them into envelopes and addressing them and posting them out, that kind okay. of thing. Um, but it meant that I got an opportunity as as. Um, uh, time went on, you know, oh, we need someone to write a little piece about this TV show that's, that's running on Sky, you know, nobody knows anything about it, but uh-huh. um, but we need someone to write 600 words, you know, and I go, I'll do that, I could do that, so I, you know, I'll research it and do it, and I think, okay, that's okay. okay. That, was, that wasn't bad, you know, so you sort of end up on a, a path, and it wasn't something that was particularly planned, you know, eventually then I, I became editor of TV Zone magazine, um, and then a bit later on, again, um, you know, I, I saw there was the position to be the assistant editor on Doctor Who magazine, which was uh, by this stage, 2002, 2003. Uh-huh. Um, and I knew Clayton Hickman, who was the 
editor at the time because he'd worked with me at Facial Imagination. You know, he'd moved on, um, and and so we already knew each other a little bit. So I um, uh, applied, and he kind of you know knew that I um, had some experience by now. You know, this is it. You uh-huh. get you get experience by kind of doing <laughs> the jobs no one wants to do at the start, <laughs> and then you can hopefully um, move on to something which is a bit more interesting. And and you know, but there's never any kind of necessarily a clear plan you know you kind uh-huh. of fall into doing these things and and then you you end up where you end up so that's kind of the story really okay. um i mean my dear friend paul who who died a couple of years ago who i mentioned there um you know but he was he was amazing you know and mm-hmm. he, he um uh, you know went on to work for big finish big and, finish. and had a yeah. great career and should have you know had a career yeah. well into the future but there we are you know that's that's yeah. uh that's it, my story. It, it Probably like a bit it, long-winded. <laughs> no problem. It sounds like one of the a lot of uh, who you know uh, kind of goes well, it with it too. It helps. I mean, you know, uh, Paul had got that job there without knowing anyone. I mean, he'd applied um, because he saw an advert there uh-huh. um, for asking for a production assistant on one of the magazines, and he'd applied, and he'd got, you know, his university grades, and he'd. Um, you know, he clearly was able to to demonstrate that he was knowledgeable about the subject matter and so on. I mean, I still had to do that when I, um, uh, you know, went for a job interview. But obviously, it does help that someone can can give you a heads up in the first place that there yeah. might be a position available. So uh-huh. it helps, but obviously, you can't just depend on knowing people. Yeah, but it it kind of helps give you uh, that that in or an opportunity to, to let you know that something's available. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't always know that, that there might be something that's, um, you know, that people are looking for someone. You know, I mean, it, uh-huh. it, it, it comes down to, the, you know, the luck of seeing an advert sometimes. I mean, you know, if, if you're looking for a job at the right time when something comes up that you'd like to do, I mean, you know, it, it could easily have been, you know, the sliding doors effect where I could have ended up just doing, a, you know, a career in insurance, which yep. I, I probably would have done okay. I was I was quite good at doing insurance claims <laughs> back in the day, but you know that's that's the path not taken. Yeah. So uh, you started uh, working for Doctor Who magazine back in like you said 2002 2003, right about the time that uh, yeah that Doctor Who was was being announced as coming back. Yeah, well, I think it was about six months before that, um, be six or seven months or so. And um, so when I started there, I had no idea that that was mm-hmm. that was on the cards. Um, it probably wasn't on the cards at that point. I think you know it actually came together quite quickly when it when it did. Um, so I went there very much with the idea that I mean I loved Doctor Who and I loved Doctor Who magazine, mm-hmm. but I didn't think that it was something which would necessarily last all that long uh, because you know the magazine had already lasted a long time. Um, you know, even at that stage, you uh-huh. know, and there hadn't been the TV show on air for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I thought, well, this might be quite good fun for a year, two years, three years, maybe. But uh-huh. um, but it's tricky, isn't it? Because when the show isn't on, um, it's you know, don't get me wrong. There was a, there was a lot of interest in Doctor Who, and, and that's why the magazine was able to still prosper. But you kind of thought, well, I'm not sure I'll be able to last much longer than that because you know, how many ideas can you have about this thing that isn't running anymore? You know, uh-huh. exactly. Um, so um, I don't never expected to still be here at this point. But of course, you know, it, new things keep happening all the time now. So it's uh, it's very rewarding to to, to you know keep uh, keep up with all the new challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, well, how how big was kind of the the change in in attitude at the at Doctor Who magazine from the the point where you entered and the 
the series had been off the air for for quite some time, and you know nothing really new in Doctor Who on on television since 1996. How did the yeah. the attitude change from when you started there till once the the new series had been announced? Well, there, I mean, there like, was quite a long period, wasn't there, between being announced and mm-hmm. bet, 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 before it actually appeared on TV screens. It was about another year and a half wasn't yeah. it, between yeah. uh, between the two events. So mm-hmm. we had quite a long period to try to get used to the idea. And of course, even before it started shooting, it was a good six, seven, eight months or so, wasn't it? I mean, there was mm-hmm. there was they had announcements about writers, and then they had announcements about casting, and eventually it went in front of the cameras, and eventually it kind of you know appeared on TV. So we uh-huh. had a, a period to get used to it, but you know, I mean, I think we were we were always cautious, like a lot of Doctor Who fans would have been, because you know there'd been a lot of rumours in the past about it was going to come back. Um, Obviously, it had come back with Paul McGann and the TV movie, and that had just been a one-off, really, at that time. I think that it had been hoped that it would be more, but I think there was a, very much a feeling of, well, let's see how this goes. I think um, we were quite um, hopeful, because, really because of Russell T. Davis, because we knew that he um, loved Doctor Who. We knew that he um, was a terrific writer and, and producer and, and had, had a lot of um, success on doing TV shows previously so yeah. um, and, and we knew him a bit I mean both Clayton and I um, knew Russell a little bit I'd met him before I was on Doctor Who magazine and got on very well with him um, so we knew that he loved the magazine and he would support us and it wasn't going to get swept away in kind of you know a big shake up of all the licenses changing and that kind of thing so that was reassuring mm-hmm. um, but of course, in terms of what the show was actually going to be like and how the readership might change, you know, it was all, well, we'll have to see how it goes. We didn't want to um, just change everything overnight because, um, you know, you already have an existing readership that liked the magazine. And our, yeah. our bosses here, um, Mike Riddell, who is the um, uh, managing uh, director at Panini UK, I mean, he was there even in those days. You know, he's been there before I was there. So uh-huh. um, he was saying, you know, don't, don't change everything. Don't don't kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater because you know it might not work. The, the the TV show might come back for a year. It might not be very popular. Yeah. It might disappear again. At which point we'll be back where we were before it came back. You know, it uh-huh. it, it, it it could be um, like the TV movie. Um, it gives you a shot in the arm. You know, you'd have a new Doctor for the comic strip and so on. But it might just go back to being you know it's off air now and it's very much looking backwards. So we we had to be careful. We wanted to be cautious not to change everything but of course you know we were also very excited about all the new stuff and and to be honest we've had so many years of um of, of covering the the original years of doctor who yeah. um that that you know i think we were just grateful to have something new and exciting there mm-hmm. um but we were always you know it was never a case that we were that was it we were never going to cover that again um because we love it you know and and i think hopefully now people would see that we always have a balance of all the different eras not just sort of you know 20th century and 21st century but mm-hmm. all the different doctors and all the different decades and you know people who like um you know peter davison people who like william hart and all people you know hopefully there's, there's always going to be that nice balance, you know? Yeah. And the thing I like about Doctor Who magazine now is that you 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 can cover the whole gambit. You you can cover lots of stuff for the new series and and the the people that have joined watching Doctor Who since the new series yeah. have a lot to read. But yeah. for those of us like me who have been watching Doctor Who since the '80s, you know, still have yes. Uh, we find something new and interesting every issue. 
Well, it's, it's, it's actually been um, it's quite a deliberate thing in a way. And I know people might think I'm being a pedant in a way, but I, mean, I, I never put sort of classic series and new series or old series and, and new series sort of as a contrast in there because the attitude, the, the sort of editorial intent in the magazine is always it's one big show, yeah. um, which means, you know, and that's not just to sort of, you know, to be pedantic or awkward. It's, it's because I want people to feel when they read the magazine that it's all important. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not you like one thing or another thing as such. It's one big story. It's one big continuity. It's, it's not a reboot in that sense. It's a, and so I want people to feel like these things aren't in competition with each other. You know, it's, it's, um, you know there are people now, given that the show has been back for so long, who weren't even born when Christopher Eccleston or David Tennant took over, but are now becoming fans as, you know, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds. They're growing up with Matt Smith or Peter Capaldi's doctors. So uh-huh. I don't think in a way it makes sense to sort of have these kind of divisions to, to sort of subliminally say this is more interesting than this because to them Christopher Eccleston is as much an old doctor as Sylvester McCoy or, yeah. or Colin Baker or, or whichever doctor Very before true. you know yeah. so I, I think it's actually quite important in a way to um, to, to sort of say that everybody's welcome and everybody uh, might have their own particular things they like more than others but it's all it's all part of the one big tapestry a bit if you know what I mean I know that sounds a bit cheesy but that's kind of the the, the attitude I've taken so that's that's kind of one of the the things that I, I think is important mm-hmm. oh, I totally agree you uh, worked under Clayton Hickman for yeah. for uh, about four years before you took over as, as editor yeah it must have been 2007 yeah. Summer of 2007, I think he decided he wanted to move on, mm-hmm. um, and so I'd been there a while by then. And I think, um, I mean, I still had to go and have a, a chat with the the, the uh, bosses at Panini about about this, but I think they were keen that I would take over as editor because you know I was mm-hmm. the the obvious candidate in that in that case. Yeah. yeah. Did, did going into be being the 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 official editor of Doctor Magazine, did you have any? changes that you wanted to make to the magazine when you started out? A few things. Um, I think every editor or potential editor would have a few things they want to do, um, you, you know, because you have to sort of move it on, but you don't want to change everything completely. Um, you'll, you may have noticed, if you look back, one of the things I do is change the logo slightly on the cover of the magazine because we, um, we'd we had um, a sort of version of the logo which was always a, a flat colour, and I wanted to make it more like it was on telly, which was yeah. a sort of fiery orange in that, because I thought, well, everything else looks like that, and I think it weirdly made us look a bit like... A bootleg, unofficial thing by not uh, having the full logo. So that's one thing to change. Yeah. You know, that might not seem like a huge change, but it, it was something which I thought was important. Uh-huh. Um, we we redesigned the magazine a bit. I think about three or four issues after I started, because you you know you have to keep, you have to keep getting a magazine out there every month. You can't make every change at the same time. You yeah. don't have to kind of build up to it. But uh-huh. I think um, the one that came out for that Christmas, which was the one which had Kylie Minogue on the cover with okay. the Dalek, uh-huh. um, we redesigned the magazine for there. I wanted to bring um, the production notes page to the front of the magazine because I thought, um, just my opinion, but I felt it, it, it should be right at the front, you know, as it was an important thing. Um, I wanted to make sure that the previews were kind of, when we preview TV episodes, we sort of had them near the front of the magazine because they'd also sort of been scattered out throughout the magazine a bit before and I thought that didn't seem very logical or why they were where they were so I wanted to make things feel like they were more defined sections of the magazine Um, so there there were various things like that I mean they weren't massive changes because I think Clayton had done a terrific job of um, 
um, uh, you know, which I was a part of, of course, but of, of making it, it the magazine it already was. But you're always trying to think, how can we make it better or how can we improve it? Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, hopefully, sometimes you look back and think, oh, that wasn't really quite an improvement in hindsight, but hopefully... You know, you, other things you look at and you think, well, that that worked. Sometimes you just have to try things, you know. Basically, you just have to keep getting the magazine out there because the deadline is keep coming. So sure. <laughs> that's the main thing. Well, I, I'm one of those that, that buys Factory Magazine every month when it comes out. And uh, I, I guess the first thing I always read is your, your kind of little introduction and the very first page. Uh, Funnily enough, that's always the last thing I write because it's always like everything else is. Oh, I've got to write that editorial at the front just before uh, we send it off to the printer. Uh, uh, so sometimes it's it's a bit of a panic. Sometimes I have an idea. I, I was going to I was going to ask you how how big of a challenge is it to write that because for, for so many people that's the first thing that they see when they open up the the, it's, the cover it's, it's of the magazine. People do read it first, isn't mm. it? I mean, um, it, it's kind of it's it's traditional that there's a little editor's letter, I think, because that's been there. Uh, certainly, it wasn't there at the very start of the magazine, I suppose, but it, but it certainly came in by the 1990s. That the, uh-huh. the editor also has a thing, and I think it is important that it it, it it's a welcome in some way. It's it's saying to a reader, even if they've only picked up the magazine for the first time, that hopefully you know they can they can be part of this club and and enjoy it, and that we all enjoy this thing together. Um, you know, again, sounds a bit cheesy, but I think you know. When I read magazines which don't have a, a, a letter from the editor, I can sometimes find them a bit cold and a bit kind of. Um, I think it sort of sets the tone a bit if you have something like that, um, because you know we can have a lot of fun with Doctor Who, and then and, you know we can be silly or we can have particular thoughts about it. Um, you know, but hopefully it, it has it always has that kind of feeling of, of this is something we really enjoy and you'll have fun with it. Yeah. So um, I must admit, sometimes you know I. I haven't always got the, something particularly um, uh, um, enlightening to say on a particular month. And sometimes I've been thinking, oh, that'll be a good idea for an editorial. I'll save that one up and, and write it. Okay. Um, I don't think it's like a column where you necessarily have to um, be that profound. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's um, uh, you know, and sometimes I, I think, oh, I haven't got enough space. Sometimes I think, oh, God, I've only written half the column and, and I've said everything I want to say. Uh-huh. You, so you kind of, oh, I'll put an extra picture in. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, that'll work. So, always, you know. I always enjoy it. I always, I always find it a nice little introduction to, to what I'm going to find inside well, the magazine. It's nice if people like it, but it's, um, you know, hopefully it's the least important part in some ways <laughs> because, you know, you want people to be enjoying the, the interviews and other features and mm-hmm. reviews and all of that, so. Well, one of the features uh, that I didn't really enjoy, of course, being a, a podcast about Doctor Who comics, is the comic strip. Um, yeah. How, how important do you feel the comic strip is to Doctor Who magazine in, in this day and age? Well, it's 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 funny, isn't it? Because it's um, it's something which is the longest-lasting part of the magazine from when it first started, really. Uh-huh. I mean, in the very first issue, the magazine basically was comic strip. I mean, I don't think they had a news page or certainly reviews and, and, and um, interviews and things. They all came later. So the comic strip was kind of the... Um, the, the the backbone of the magazine then and I think although that's changed in some respects because there's a lot more other things we do mm-hmm. I still think that the comic strip is something which is more than just a tradition I think it's our opportunity to tell a Doctor Who story um, of our own everything else is um, a reaction to Doctor Who. Everything else is a, a, an opinion or or a behind the scenes feature or um, something about 
the show, whereas the comic strip can actually be the show in a way. Yeah. It can actually be, um, you know, the adventures um, in between. And I think when the series wasn't on air, perhaps it became even more important, I suppose, because, you know, it was sort of leading the way, along with the terrific work being done by the book ranges and mm-hmm. and later on the audios came in as well didn't they but um um, but i like it i think um it's it's something which um is not my particular skill because we've got some very skilled writers who do write the comic strip i've never really had the urge to write one or to to do that because i don't think that's something i'd be particularly good at really Uh um but scott gray who works with us here in the office um and has been working on the magazine in various capacities for a long time. I mean, he's he's got a real understanding of of story structure and and scripts and so on. So he's a brilliant person to uh, to, to be able to oversee. And of course, the art as well, because you know it's not just a question of the stories. You have to make sure that the art can tell the story, you know, in a way that makes sense uh-huh. and so on. So it, we've got a great team of artists and so on. It's, it's probably the most complicated and expensive part of the magazine, really, because if you do an interview. Um, Yes, you need to to arrange it with the actor or whoever it is, um, you know, and and, uh, get a date for that and and do it and write it up. But Mm -hmm. there aren't that many people involved with with a comic strip page. You know, every page has to, you have to have the original idea for the story, then that has to be discussed, then you have to have the script written up, and then you have to have, you know, all the, the artists to be sort of sent the, the the full script and then you of course you have pencils and inks and colours and the letter you know there are so yeah. many people and of course yeah. of course they all have to be paid as well yeah. so so you know I I think it's um it, 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 I'm glad it is popular still because otherwise um you know it would kind of it wouldn't be worth it for the amount of, of time and energy and money we spend on it uh-huh. but um of course it also gives us a fantastic resource for for doing graphic novels and those kind of books and i hope people like those compilations i know that the comic strip isn't everyone's cup of tea but some people tell me they they never read it they always skip past it but you know every magazine yeah. has things that you like or don't like so much so hopefully um you know it it, it, it does appeal to at least a, a good number of people. No, I'm 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 sure it does. I know I'm one of those, and uh, I want to thank you for for continuing to put out the graphic novels. Uh, I enjoy well, having I, those on my. Yeah, show. I mean it's it's nice to have the them all in one place, isn't it? Because I mean you can easily mm-hmm. mislay an issue, and then oh, I haven't got part two of this story. No. <laughs> yeah, not, so, not yeah. only that, but oh. if I want to go back and reread a story, I don't have to dig through boxes of magazines. Yeah, to, that's to right. Pull them all that's out. right. And we quite we quite enjoy doing the little behind the scenes bits as well because it gives you a bit of a sense of how we how we uh, put them together and the work and effort that goes into it. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, people don't have to appreciate that. I mean, if you if you look at anything, people have worked hard on it. You know, if you buy a pair of shoes, someone's sweated blood over the design of it and, uh, and 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 all of that. But you don't think about that when you go into a shop and buy a pair of shoes, do you? It's the, it's the same with anything you buy. Uh-huh. People have worked hard to do it. So. Um, I think, uh, um, you, you know, you actually, in a way, you don't want people thinking about that too much. You just want them to, to hopefully pick up and enjoy it. And, and if they don't enjoy it, well, maybe they'll enjoy next month. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and I, I enjoy those behind the scenes in the graphic novels. Just uh, I'm a lifelong comic book reader since I was a kid yeah. in the 70s. So and hearing how the stories came into being and seeing like sketches and, and 
um, yeah, artwork. it's very exciting when when they come to life in front of us because, of course, you know we all talk about the ideas for the stories, and mm-hmm. then you know it's only when we first start getting the artwork in, and then of course we'll get a, an inks version and a coloured version, and then um, then the the actual speech balloons, and then suddenly it's a real thing, you know, and it's very exciting. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably the the most exciting part of the mag in that in that uh, from that point of view. Sure. How how much input do you have uh, being the editor of the magazine into the comic strip? Well, I mean, I can have as as much or as little as I want in a way. I mean, the, um, I always like to read the the scripts and and have any comments that I will have. But I kind of leave a lot of it to to Scott Gray because he just can do it a lot better than I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so he will often talk directly to the writer of the comic. I mean, obviously Scott has often written a lot of the comic strips himself. So when he's written it, you know, I've spoken to him directly. Yeah. Um, and and we've chatted it through. But of course, the thing with Scott is that. You know, actually, he doesn't need much guidance. You know, I I, I wouldn't presume to know better than he does a lot of the time. I, I might suggest something. He might say, "Oh, that's a good point." Mm-hmm. But more often than not, he's already thought of of the thing before before it's come to that. Well, point, I would so. think with having Scott as kind of the right, your right hand man when it comes to the comic yeah, strips, exactly. he's been doing it for so long. It makes your job We'd a lot easier. Than him, really. <laughs> um, you know, but um, but you know, I mean, I think um, I, I like to sort of keep a track of the general direction it's going in so for example companions come and go on on television um so we often have to sort of go you know scott will say to me do we know actually when clara's leaving i'll say well um <laughs> i think she's staying on for the next series now i think she was going to leave but i think she's now staying on uh-huh. but it's not certain because jenna coleman is is talking to them about it and they say okay because i need to plan the comic strip yep. <laughs> and, and i kind of go okay well look i'll let you know when i know but i think it's it's still you know, you, you remember the period when it wasn't... I mean, obviously, this was all happening behind the scenes, uh-huh. so it wouldn't have been public at that time. Yeah. But we have to know that kind of stuff because we have to plan what we're doing. Uh-huh. Um, so at the moment, we're, we're keeping... For example, we're keeping Clara in the comic strip for a few more issues, but we wanted to give her a nice sort of... A goodbye story that isn't... Uh, um, Obviously, we're not going to write her out because she was written out on television. But you know what I mean. You have you. I, we always like to give the the comic strip companions kind of a final story that feels right for for the comic strip. Yeah. You know, which still hopefully um, complements it. And then, of course, you know, we're planning ahead, and he's saying, "Do you know what's going to happen with the next companion?" And I say, "I don't know. I don't know if they're at you know, what stage they are, whether they're going to announce it, or who's cast. I don't know. I'll let you know." So <laughs> we're in the same situation again. So we're probably going to have the doctor. Um, on his own for a little bit, uh-huh. um, you know. But again, we have to plan quite a long time ahead for that. So, um, you know, it, 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 it's tricky because sometimes we don't know the answers when we're trying to plan the stories. So, uh-huh. um, so yeah. But um, you know, we get we get there. We, we we really enjoyed the period where we were able to have our own comic strip companion for a bit. I think it was towards the end of the David Tennant years. That was another thing uh-huh. not long after I took over that we had Magenta Price as the companion for the comic strip because we knew there was going to be a period when it was the specials on TV yeah. um, that, that the Doctor wouldn't have a full-time companion. So we thought, well, maybe we can sort of have a little kind of story arc which where we do our own thing for a while. So I think we had about 20 issues where we had Magenta stories. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. 
is it a challenge for something like that when when you have to work with the BBC to to get an okay from them to do something like that, or being well, so close to the, to to the the television show itself that they want you to to reflect more of what they have on TV as far as like the Doctor and Companions? They're really very easy going, and to be honest, you know, we only sort of need to sort of clear the big stuff with them in that way. I mean, um, when it came to introducing um, our own comic strip companion. I mentioned it to Russell, first of all, just to say, what do you reckon about this? And he said, oh, I think that would be a brilliant idea. Yes, let's go and do that. Um, and um, I think he said, you know, we'd better make sure that Doctor Who Adventures has the same um, opportunity to do that if they want to as well. Okay. So, um, which was fair enough, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, that, um, that, but I mean, he, and, and similarly with Stephen Moffat now, you know, we'll sort of say, um, you know, we want to do, I think we did a story where we had Amy and Rory as children, um, which was going to, fit in with, with young males, which we did a few Christmases ago, uh-huh. you know, and so if we're going to do something like that, we, we'll just sort of say, we're thinking of doing this kind of story. Do you think that would fit in? Because we didn't want to contradict something they were going to do yeah. on TV or, or, or be that. So you sort of just say, we're thinking of doing this. And generally speaking, the answer will be, yeah, go ahead, you know, or occasionally it will be, well, we're planning something quite similar to that for TV. So, um, so maybe you should think in a different direction, you know, because obviously um, it's, it's, difficult you, you don't want to contradict things you know you're having to sort of do that not necessarily knowing what might what might be in their mind so but mm-hmm. but for the most part the bbc is you know pretty easy going i mean you know they don't want to stop us doing stuff at all so yeah um the, do you uh, help choose like what artists are going to be on what stories or yeah help select, I mean, like new artists that kind of thing yeah, I mean, obviously, we only have 13 issues a year, so, and within that, we have, um, you know, different storylines which go across two, three, or four parts, you uh-huh. know, so, um, so actually, we probably only have about four different artists per year, because by that point, we're sort of, you know, um, uh, you know then back at the start of the cycle again, and then, of course, we have our particular favourite artists that we love working with. We love Martin Geraghty and we love um, Adrian Salmon and we love Mike Collins and Roger Langridge when he's free, but of yeah. course Roger's very busy. <laughs> and so, and of course they all have their other work on as well. Uh-huh. You know, they don't want to be drawing Doctor Who all the time. They've got other work that they do. So, yeah. um, so it really is dependent on um, who's available and what sort of story we're doing. If we're doing a very um, sort of fantastical story um, with lots of sort of big Im- imagery. Sometimes you think, oh, Adrian Salmon might be great for that story. Um, but if we're doing something which has to be very detailed, which where we, we want to show Tokyo, for example, when we did the story with the Axons, you uh-huh. know, we think, well, Martin's got to do that because he does all, he's brilliant at doing all the tiny little bits of detail in there. Yeah. You know, um, so you want the artist to fit the story, really. But sometimes, of course, you think, well, that person's busy, so we're going to have to rethink it slightly. Uh-huh. And uh, you you kind of have the a stable of writers along the, yeah. those lines too. Yeah, um, we like to keep the writers. Um, uh, you know, it's, we don't want necessarily too many different writers because you, you know it starts being a bit unmanageable, and you want to be able to have a kind of a, a feel to the comic strip in a way. And of course, again, we only have four or five different storylines per year, so it's yeah. not like we've we're doing so much material that there's, you know, those, those slots can get booked up quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we love working with Johnny Morris, for example. I mean, there was a period when Scott was writing all of them. And then, um, because we had a sort of particular story arc in mind, but we've also had a period where Johnny wrote, you know, a, a year and a half solid. Yeah. Now we're trying a period where we want to have different 
people sort of coming in, but we still might be wanting to have um, some continuing elements of one sort or another. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of depends, you know, on the approach at the time. Um, you know, Steve Lyons has come back recently. Jack Rayner has been doing some stuff for us. So I think mm-hmm. at the moment we're 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 um, we're breaking out to have a few more different people. Uh-huh. Um, but compared to what they do at, at Titan, for example, I mean, they're, they're doing a huge amount more material because that's their entire, yeah. um, that's their entire business is doing the, the, the comics. So, uh-huh. um, whereas for us, it's only a part of what the magazine is. Sure. So, it's, you know, did did you ever think when once uh, well the Doctor Who comics uh, like IDW have been doing the Doctor Who comic books for quite some time, but when either during the IDW uh, time frame or even when Titan took over doing Doctor Who comics, did was there ever a, a thought or discussion of Doctor Who magazine saying you know maybe this is a time for us to since the the doing the comic strip is such a uh, an expensive part of the the magazine maybe it's time for us to just switch to being uh, a full magazine and not have the comic strip? Oh, no, 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 not at all, no. I mean, um, because, you know, I think a bit of healthy competition isn't a bad thing. Um, I I, I think we do different types of of comic storylines anyway. And I do think it's an important part of Doctor Who magazine. I think there are people who'd be very disappointed if we stopped doing it because it's it's their favourite part of the magazine. And and yes, there there are other types of Doctor Who comics out there as well. But, um, but, you know, I think they they all have their own different feel. You know, and I think mm-hmm. the Doctor Who magazine comic strip has its own world. Um, we've got characters and settings and things which feel unique to us. You know, so I think um, it, that's something we're very proud of. You know, for example, you know, the, 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 even if it's characters like Maxwell Edison set in Stockbridge and so on, that's uh-huh. something which is very much the Doctor Who magazine strip, and we keep coming back to that. And it's been there sort of right from the start of the the, the early days of the the DWM strip, really. So, oh, yeah. um, so I think. People love the fact that it also exists in its own little world that is just ours, you know. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but I certainly like that. And I think, um, uh, uh, you know, I, I, to be honest, there is so much Doctor Who material out there. I don't have time to read every other comic and every other <laughs> um, book that comes out and every audio and every, you, do you know what I mean? There's, there's uh-huh. masses of it now. But I think there are people who, um, you know, who particularly would like the Doctor Who magazine and comic strip and they don't read the others, you know. And, yeah. And, Nobody can can have everything, or maybe maybe one or two people do try. But I, I think it's it's very difficult now. <laughs> it is uh, actually as being the editor of Doctor Who magazine. Uh, do you ever feel like overwhelmed just by the sheer amount of stuff to, that yeah that you yeah. you you have, or kind of have to or want to cover in the magazine? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously some parts of the the what we might cover are going to be more. Um, universal than others i mean we're very aware of the fact that not everyone listens to the audios um or not everyone reads the books and things but you want to still give them some coverage Uh so it's a tricky balance i mean i think the thing with the audios is because um particularly now that they've got um you know they're doing story set with river song or with with john hurt's uh doctor and 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 things like that you know it's actually sort of feels more even more connected to what's been on tv recently yeah. so so maybe it opens it up a bit more into into an area where people hadn't listened to the audios before mm-hmm. but it's still something which you know not everyone is going to be interested in that you you can kind of assume that everyone watches the current show yeah i mean that even that might not be true but um but i think 
you know, broadly speaking, the TV series itself of whatever era is kind of got to be the main, um, the main focus. Um, and then, you know, other parts of Doctor Who are kind of, you know, of, of secondary importance, not because they're any less good or anything like that, but you mm-hmm. just know from a commercial point of view, um, you know, they're, they're, they're a bit more niche, you know. Yeah. So, um, so you've got to be kind of sensible about this stuff. At the end of the day, we do have to sell as many copies of the magazine as we can just to to keep doing it, you know, to stay in business. Yeah. You know, it, and it is a business, um, you know, so... I mean, I sometimes wonder how many copies of the magazine we'd sell if we just put on the the, the woodland creature from the androids of Tara, on the, if we put him on the cover or something. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I, I mean, I, I'm just picking that as a random example yeah. because we probably still sell quite a lot of copies because there are a lot of people who buy every issue, whatever they, they buy. But it probably wouldn't be a very sensible thing to do because it wouldn't make a very good cover, yeah. really. Um, so you're always having to think, well, what, the kind of balance between well, what editorially is a good thing to do because we've got something to say about it, but also is hopefully going to make as many people want to pick it up and buy it as they can, mm-hmm. as we can, as we can get. So, um, so that's always a, a, a challenge. And, and when it's on TV, it's kind of obvious because you put on the, the next episodes. You know, yeah. but when it's not on TV, you can it becomes uh, more of a question, you know, well, what, what do we do? Uh-huh. Well, you got that coming up here for the next uh, almost... Yeah, year. there's going to be a period now where, where we're having to um, make our own headlines, if you if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. You know? So, I mean, the, the one that's just come out um, here this week has been River Song of the Eighth Doctor because, as I say, she's in the audio series yeah. at the moment. And, of course... She's just been in the Christmas special, yep, so exactly. I think just, you know, she's keep... quite. She's very recognisable to people that might see that in the news agent. But um, you know, um, it's going to be tricky some months because you know sometimes it's just going to be quiet on the Doctor Who front. So uh-huh. we'll have to, you know, that's what that's why we like to do, um, you know, big sort of special things like um, like when we've done the big polls. To be honest, um, you know, you make you make a big thing of that because um, it gets people excited and talking and, and you know we have to sell copies of the magazine you know we can't just um you know put the tar and woodland creature on or the candy man or something and and um you know we have to be sensible about it yeah. um you know i mean i think there was a period when the doctor was off air completely when obviously they had to sort of take a different approach because there wasn't really anything much new. So, okay, actually, in some ways, it was probably more liberating because you could cover the whole of Doctor Who history and he probably thought, well, we're going to sell exactly the same number of copies, whatever we do. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, one, of, one of the other things I've really enjoyed with Doctor Who magazine over the past uh, several years has been the specials that you've been putting out. Oh, yeah, yeah. How, how did those uh, kind of... Did, how were those decided to, hey, maybe we should do some like, special magazines? Was that hankering back to, like, the, the summer specials and that? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean... Um there, there was a sort of um, a sort of sub range of, of specials which had been started just before I started on the magazine because they were doing the complete Doctor range. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and we sort of went through all the different Doctors then. That was when I was quite new on the magazine. And then we'd done all of them. And then the, of course the show came back, so we started doing the season guides and other things. So uh-huh. um, I think there's always an opportunity to do something a bit different in those specials, which you wouldn't get in the regular magazine. I think in the past the sort of summer specials and winter specials kind of felt a bit like um they weren't that different from what you have in the normal magazine anyway yeah. as i remember you'd sometimes have reprint material or sometimes they'd just still be interviews and stuff um so 
we're always trying to do something with those specials that feel like it's got its own place mm-hmm. um, so we'll theme them in some way um, and then there's the, the bookazines as well which are under the the essential Doctor Who yeah. banner which is um, a slightly different thing again um, I mean you know it's it's tricky because you know part of our license with BBC Worldwide is that we all um, we do a certain amount of magazines and we pay them a certain amount of money to have the license you know because it's Doctor Who is owned by BBC Worldwide yeah. and so you know um, th- that's why we, um, we, we 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 can be the official magazines because we pay for that privilege uh-huh. so of course we have a certain amount of money that we need to pay um, BBC Worldwide regardless we have like a minimum guarantee and so on so um, you know there is a sort of pressure to kind of we, we need to hit certain targets with all of that I mean you know yeah. this is this is capitalism. Yep. <laughs> this is this is business, isn't it? It's, yep, it is. You know, there has to be that. But my job as editor is hopefully uh, and range editor, if you like, because it's not just the magazine; it's sort of all the Doctor Who stuff we do. Is to um, to not, you know, just be doing you know, cash-ins on this stuff, but to try to find things which are genuinely of interest and genuinely worthwhile. I mean, you know, nobody's forced to buy everything, of course. You know, whatever, um, you know, we put out, you know, people can pick and choose which things they're interested in. But um, but hopefully everything we do, I, I really, we really try to make it a good, a good standard and a good quality. So, you know, the latest um, part work that we're doing, the, um, the Doctor Who, the complete history, you know, uh-huh that's coming out once a fortnight and you know that's a that's tough that's a lot of work to do every fortnight for the oh, team and definitely. i'm overseeing it but you know we want to make it a good quality product you know and actually that's difficult because we don't really have that much more resource than we did to do everything else but we're determined we've got you know because we're fans ourselves we want to have something that we'd be proud to have on our shelves uh-huh. so um so we really try you know we try hard. <laughs> oh, well, you do an awesome job as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you're now the longest-serving editor on the yeah. magazine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where the time's gone. Um, <laughs> it's kind of flown by yeah, for it's you. Over, I it's over 100 issues I've edited, uh-huh. I think. Um, and if you count all the ones before I was the editor, when I was the assistant editor, it's, it's just something ridiculous now, yeah. Because yeah, we're coming up to issue 500, and I was definitely the editor for 400, so there you uh, go. So you've been around for a while. Uh, a what little would, while, yeah. What would you say is your proudest achievement of, of your run on Doctor Who Magazine as editor? Um, oh, well... Keeping it going. <laughs> I mean, it's, it hasn't it hasn't been cancelled on me, so I mean right. that's a, that's a, that's an achievement. Yep. I mean, these things you can never take them for granted. Um, I mean, in terms of stuff that I've really enjoyed doing, I think we, we did a really good job. I loved the um, the Golden Moments magazine we did, which had sort of something from each of the two hundred stories up to that point. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I we you know we we always try hard, but um, I think that was something where we just worked extra hard and did extra hours and we just tried to get as much into it as possible to, you know, make it a good read. Um, And I think that's something which people do still say, you know, that's a great souvenir edition of, of, all of Doctor Who up to that point. Yeah. It's out of date now, so <laughs> that's the trouble. They keep making more. Um, but um, that that was one. And I think what we d- ended up doing for the 50th anniversary, um, it, obviously, everything was massive at that point, wasn't it? It was like there was Doctor Who everywhere you looked. And I think we did a, an issue there, which was like the, the biggest selling edition that we'd had since it was Doctor Who Weekly, uh-huh. which was like, you know... Uh, how many years earlier? Thirty plus years earlier, uh, thirty, 
yeah, mm-hmm. 34 years uh-huh. ago or something like that. You know, and, and when you get a, a figure like that, you know, which sold so many copies, it was reprinted, you think, well, I think that went quite well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because, you know, you can be proud of the work, but obviously it's nothing if people don't buy it and don't, you know, and, and, and don't enjoy it. So if, if people enjoy it, then I'm happy. Yeah. Well, awesome. I, uh, do, you, do you ever feel yourself getting burned out, or is it still just a joy to go to work every day? Well, sometimes, yeah. I mean, because, um, you know, I mean, being honest about it, um, it's still a job. You still go to work each day, and sometimes you're not really quite in the mood. You know, I think everyone feels like that. You know, you get, oh, yeah. what are we going to do next? Um, you know, and then hopefully you have a good idea, and you talk about it with your, your team and, and writers and so on, and it starts coming together. I mean, sometimes you do feel... As, as you approach a deadline and nothing has come in and you've just you're just looking at the 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 blank pages and you're <laughs> you're thinking god are we going to put out a magazine with blank pages <laughs> um and in, that's not, that hasn't happened yet either but um, I, you see we've got a big notice board which i'm just looking at at the moment which has got sort of little mini versions of the pages so we can put them up on the board as the magazine is is completed, you know, so, yeah. okay, we've got page 40 done, put page 40 on the board, you know, and so yeah. it's numbered one to uh, 100, because sometimes we have 100 pages, sometimes it's 84, and, you know, we just sort uh-huh. of stick them up on the board so we can see the magazine start to appear as the month goes on, uh-huh. and sometimes, you see, we get into the final the final week or so, and you think, there's still nothing on the board, <laughs> there's still nothing there, are we actually going to have anything to send to the printers, yeah. and it does all come together, and you kind of go, phew. So it's tough sometimes, but it's, um, you know, as I say, the reader doesn't know that. You know, they, they get their magazine and, and you know, they, they like bits, hopefully, all their bits they don't like. But, of course, they don't necessarily know the, the, the story behind everything, you know, as to why something was maybe not as good as it should have been or, or whatever, because, you know, we're all human. We're all trying to just try to get something out there and, and, and hopefully make it as good as we can. So, yeah, you can feel a bit a bit burned out and a bit kind of out of breath and exhausted sometimes but um but you know I just, we just come back from our christmas break you know after having a couple of weeks off yeah. we, we all managed to have a nice break so um so we're feeling a bit reinvigorated now uh, that's awesome to hear i i know i still remember the uh first doctor magazine i bought off the the comic book shelf of, of my comic book store back in 1989 or 80, late wow. 88 and uh, yeah. it's still a treat for me every every month to get Doctor Who magazine and read the comic strip and, and read the articles that are inside. So I, I commend you on your hard work after all this That's time. Very and kind of you. and uh, thank you for spending time with me today to, to talk pleasure. about your career. And, it's uh, a pleasure any time. I hope you enjoyed hearing that interview with Tom Spilsbury. I know... I'm getting up there in years, or getting older anyway, and my memory is always horrible. So for me, it's great to re-listen to some of these uh, interviews I've done in the past because I always seem to notice things that I didn't before or maybe uh, hit something that I go, oh, I don't recall talking about that or hearing about that. And uh, for those of you who have been listening to this podcast for a long time, uh, you probably have heard this this interview before. But I think you can always find something new and interesting when uh, rereading something or listening to something over again. And for those of you who are new to this podcast, I hope you enjoyed hearing about uh, Tom's work on Doctor Who magazine. Uh, I hope you enjoy these classic interviews. In fact, I was just reading on uh, a Facebook post today about a gentleman who uh, is lamenting about long-lost comic book podcasts that he had listened to and uh, episodes that are no longer out there for people to download. 
or people to get their hands on. They're not on the feeds anymore, or maybe it's a podcast that uh, kind of came to an end and the person who hosts the podcast decided to just take it down. And he was lamenting on the fact that there's lots of really good interviews with comic book creators, whether it be writers or artists or editors, what have you, that uh, he does they're they're gone. They you know, somebody who may have passed on, say like Gene Colan, for example, uh, may have had an interview on a, a comic book podcast. Well, if that podcast just quits uh, doing their show and decides to take down their episodes, that interview uh, with Gene Colan, who is a legend in comics, is just gone. Um, I kind of feel the same way when it comes to the people that I chat with or the, you know, the Doctor Who comic creators that I've chatted with. And although if you look on the feed where you find Doctor Who or uh, Doctor Who panel to panel, you'll notice that I don't have a lot of the older episodes. However, if you want to track those down and hear some of these past interviews I've done with creators, um, I am representing them as classic episodes. But also if you go to archive.org and do a search for Doctor Who panel to panel or Jeremy B. Bent, you can find all my previous episodes up there as free to download MP3 files. And you can find great interviews with uh, creators past and present of, of Doctor Who, whether it be the, the IDW run, the Titan Comics run, Doctor Who magazine. Um, there's lots of really useful, interesting interviews with people. Um, so make sure you check those out if you haven't. If you have a chance to want to learn more about past creators of Doctor Who comic strip content, uh, make sure you check out archive.org and do some searching. So with that, um, that is it for this episode of Panel to Panel. My next episode of Panel to Panel will be coming out around the weekend of Console Room, which is a Doctor Who convention right here in my backyard of Minneapolis. And, and um, I will hopefully be doing some chatting with people there about Doctor Who comics. I know I'm hosting a panel or two. And I hope if you are in the area, I will see you there. And make sure you come up and say hi to me. Introduce yourself so I know that there's people right here in Minnesota that are listening or in the upper Midwest, I guess, if you're coming from out of state. So with that, this is Jeremy Mint saying until next time, bye. Doctor Who Panel to Panel, the podcast about Doctor Who comics, thanks you for downloading this episode. Let us know what you thought about this episode or of Doctor Who comics in general. You can find us socially on Facebook at Doctor Who Panel to Panel, on Twitter at Doctor Who P2P, 2 being the number 2, and online at DoctorWhoComics.com. Download previous episodes via your favorite podcast service and find the complete catalog of episodes featuring amazing interviews with creators past and present at archive.org. Just search for Doctor Who Panel to Panel. Thank you.